the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome to this week's 442 Insider podcast. I'm editor Trevor Charm filling in for Jacko, who's in Melbourne at the moment. But I'm being joined by online editor Kevin Ayres. How are you doing, Kevin? Good, thanks, mate. How are you feeling at this time, 10.30? I know it's not... It's ridiculously early. <laughs> this is middle of the night. I know. Um, let's hope we still get some good stuff out of you. First thing I was going to mention, while we have a Scotsman in our midst, was um, Super Cali Go Ballistics, Celtic were atrocious. Again. <laughs> Aren't you a Cali fan? Uh, I, I think everybody in Scotland that isn't green uh, in the blood is probably a Cali fan. This morning it's pretty much could well have handed the league to Rangers. Pretty much. Um, Inverness winning 3-2 there, and it's, yeah, it's all but Rangers, as you say. What else have we got? Asian Champions League. Um... Australian teams, again, not doing as well as we would hope. Let's start with Sydney, who went down 3-1 at Suwon Blue Wings. Um, did you see this one, Kevin? What did you make of it? I did. Um, they, uh, they were, I mean, they're always on a hiding to nothing, pretty much. Uh, Suwon's uh, form at home has been pretty spectacular. I think 34 goals in the last 10 games. Yeah. Uh, and so, I mean... Th- it was a mountain for them to climb when they went 2-0 down. It looked impossible. Uh, Bruno uh, managed to pull yet another goal back for them. Uh, he's been quite the striker this season. He's been a good pickup, quietly. Uh, and it looks as if they might be in with a, a faint chance of pulling off another come-from-behind miracle, but uh, the third goal sealed their fate. Mm, I mean, it's goodbye, Asia. Yeah, were there many people there? No. Because <laughs> it didn't look like there was. No, um, I think there's as much interest in Korea as there is in uh, Australia for the Asian Champions League. I mean, I mean, especially with Sydney. I mean, Sydney's record in Asian Champions League hasn't actually set the... would never set anybody's uh, blood racing, pulse racing. Uh, so it's hardly surprising not many people turned out to see them in Korea. Yeah, I mean, I think we forget this, don't we? We're, we're easy you know, or quick to have a go at Australian teams for their poor Asian Champions League attendances. But in general, the competition... Doesn't really get going on attendances for under the winners. No, China. I think still they still the crowds still hold up in China, uh, but Korea and Japan uh, the interest uh, is minimal. Okay then, and on to the second game involving an Australian team, Melbourne victory, drawing with Gamba Osaka, which um, isn't really a bad result considering how good a side Gamba is. But when Melbourne desperately needed points, um, it wasn't what, what they needed. So that's Musket's last game on Australian soil. So that's what Jacko was there for, his mate Musket. What did you make of this one? I mean, they, they took the lead. There seems to be a lot of huff and puff from Melbourne, but just a bit more class from Gamba. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, Blair's goal was superb, I thought. Mm. It was a really good bullet header. Um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, second half, they really fell away uh, and just didn't seem to be making the chances. Uh, it's probably sealed uh, Dracovic's fate as far as uh, always being the caretaker and never being the, the bride. The bride, the bride. Yeah, exactly, as the saying goes. I mean, it's always tough when you get those little spells to prove yourself because sometimes the team can get a massive uplift and they're given the job, but that doesn't really mean a lot for the long term. Yeah, I think the problem with, uh, with Dracovic is he's probably spent too much time being mentored by Merrick and there really wasn't sufficient change of style uh, he didn't bring that much new, and seemed to be making the same mistakes too. You know, not making uh, key substitutions at the right time, leaving it too late. Um, so I, I think there's probably too much continuity uh, with Merrick there for him to, to hold on to the job. And that was the one thing they were getting away from. They felt they needed a fresh start, didn't they? And a new impetus. I mean, you see it quite often with assistants coming through that not a lot changes. England fans will remember that from Steve McLaren coming through and. Well, actually doing probably a worse job than Sven, but it doesn't all, often work. I think if the manager leaves of his own accord, then you want continuity. If you're yeah. sacking the manager, it's the last thing you want. Yeah, completely. Um, on to the proper Champions League. Um, <laughs> Barcelona, <laughs> Barcelona, Real Madrid, um, the second leg. I mean, the, these second legs you, you should get excited about, but I think we were, we were pretty sure about who was going to go through, and it played out as we expected. Barcelona won, oh, Real Madrid won. Even Mourinho was uh, aware of what the, the second leg was going to yeah. be from the moment the first leg finished. Yeah. Um, 
Pedrito got the first for Barcelona in the 54th minute. Marcelo hit one back in the 64th. Really, you needed Real Madrid to score first to make that game. Um, interesting. Messi fouled 11 times. Whole of the Real Madrid team fouled 10 times. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he is good, though, isn't he? So perhaps giving him a kick was the, the only approach they could come up with. Um, is that how you expected it? Could you really see Real Madrid turning that result over? I think Mourinho played every possible mind game that he could. Yeah. to give his side a chance uh, and take the pressure off them, uh, manage everybody's expectations and possibly surprise a few. But they had a mountain to climb. It was just... it was in, If they had done, it would have been one of the uh, results uh, in European football history, I think. Um, it pretty much played out to plan. I think Real Madrid did very well to, to come away with a draw, to be honest. Mm. Um, I mean, if that was the first leg... That it'd be a complete oh, abs- absolutely, now, I mean. yeah. I mean, uh, it would have been game on for the second leg, but uh, when you go down 2-0 at home, yeah. you, you don't stand much chance. Um, the second semi-final was Manchester United, who made a light work of Shakhtar, smashing them 4-1. Um, I think you know when Anderson gets a brace against you that you're in a little bit of trouble. I think, more importantly, Darren Gibson scoring Darren against Gibson, you. Darren Gibson, yeah. Valencia scored as well, but yeah, Valencia's a great player. But yeah, I mean... Man, you were never really going to throw away a 2 0 away lead. It's a, a Shakhtar team that probably were made to look better than they actually were against um, Inter Milan. Um, any surprises there? Um, a couple of things. I mean, one, Manchester United put out their second string side, clearly. Uh, it wasn't the first choice. Rooney was on the, in the stands, uh, which is obviously an indication of how important the Chelsea game is this mm. weekend. Uh, and secondly, I think it goes to prove that uh, Schalke was a, to a certain degree saved in the last match by Neuer. Yeah. Uh, Who made got, a mistake this time? Well, I was going to say he had a great game last week, uh, last time. This time he had uh, a poor game and they got slaughtered. Mm. Uh, so uh, he was the difference. And perhaps he's also lost quite a few va- a million pounds off the value. Hmm. Oh, that's the thing about goalkeepers, isn't it? I mean, strikers miss chances, goalkeepers make mistakes, and all of a sudden their their values down. But the final will be Manchester United Barcelona at Wembley Dream Final. Yeah, I think it probably is to a certain extent. I mean, I'm still running with this theory that if uh, Fergie can pull off the title and pull off the Champions League, he will retire at the end of this season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know, the longer he will want to win this match. He's not probably going to get another opportunity. Mm. Uh, I just, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, faces disappearing from the Man U squad next year that aren't going to have the same impact, uh, which means the team's going to be in rebuilding mode. Mm. I don't think they'll get to this stage, and I think that's probably going to be the last chance he gets. So he's going to want to win this yeah, badly. I mean, it's interesting this Man U too, because what makes Fergie so great is that he hasn't just taken one team and one alone. He's had a few different teams, hasn't he? The old Bruce and Pallister and Cantona team and then the Ronaldo team that won the Champions League against Chelsea. This Man U side, would you say it's the most average? Oh, without a doubt, teams? yeah. It's a very, very ordinary side. I mean, this is a side that, you know, back in between 85 and 90, you might have expected uh, him to, to mm. try and win stuff with. Um, it's not a strong side by any manner of means. But the fact that... He's managed to take it so far as testament to him yeah. and also testament to those stalwarts of the side like Scholes and Giggs uh, who've you know survived and still managed to have an impact at a time when you know we would probably be laughing at them in the A-League if they were to be signing. You know. Yeah, exactly. Um, I suppose one thing we touched on this last week, I mean, we, we also published the, the Man U programme and the Man U magazine in the UK and the editor from over there was saying that, that Fergie is convinced he knows how to beat him. He's convinced he... You know, he knew how Barcelona beat him last time and how they're going to beat him this time. And it's on English soil. Um, I mean, do you think it's going to be closer than it was last time around? Because to be fair, you know, Barcelona convincingly beat Man U in the Champions yeah. League a couple of years ago. I think I genuinely do think they'll have the work cut out. I really don't. I think they will struggle uh, to beat Barcelona. It's interesting to see Sky Italia's. Uh, promoting this as the uh, the world's best player versus the world's most complete player, which is Messi right. versus Rooney. Right. Okay. With Rooney as the most complete player, mm. I'm not quite sure how that stands up to scrutiny myself. Uh, I, I just don't. I think in every single position you can compare like with like, and Barcelona comes out on top. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's an interesting discussion I was reading on Twitter from the same guy at Man U saying, you know, if you took the Man U team 
how many of those players would make the Barcelona first eleven? Mm, I mean, I think Evra on the left, I would say, w- w- would be a good shout. Um, elsewhere, I think you'd struggle to to fit in. Yeah. You know, many of them. Are, you know, Definitely. Rooney would be a chance, but the rest of them w- would be a Barcelona side, um, which tells you how much. You know, despite how great men you are, they are ultimately going to be underdogs come the end of the month. Um, okay, that's everything for section one. Section two coming up, we're going to round up the news. We all have goals, but sometimes we need a little help along the way. The best advice and assistance on your journey can make an enormous difference. Tiger Management and PR represents up-and-coming and established TV and radio presenters, performers and sports people. So if you're wondering how you'll rise to the next level, engage the services of Tiger Management and PR and you'll no longer be alone. Call 1300-784-212 to find out more or visit tigermanagement.com.au. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to section two of the 442 Insider podcast. This section we're going to chat news, the best of the news on our website au.442.com. Kevin, um, big news that broke the end of last week, but I want to bring it up now because it is... One of the biggest issues that we have currently with the A-League, and, and that's the TV rights, in the wake of the AFL signing a bumper 1.25 billion TV rights till, um, you know, there's now talk that the A-League rights could be worth just $3 million a year. Um, there's so much talk about what free-to-air, how that would affect our game, and, and how we still desperately need funding from things like, you know, the TV rights. What's happened? How have we got ourselves in this mess? Well, I mean, it's, it's a whole combination of different factors that have brought us to the situation uh, when uh, the rights were last put up for negotiation when we added the extra teams uh, that changed the deal that uh, FFA had with Foxtel where they could then go back and say we're giving you an improved product let's renegotiate yeah. uh, so Foxtel came back to them and offered them uh, the, pri- the, the, the values uh, the reports of that value of varied but it's round about 42 million a year they okay. offered uh, and the FFA were convinced that they could do better than that so they turned it down since then we've lost uh, one team another team's possibly on its way out we've got teams uh, being owned by the FFA crowds are down TV ratings are down and uh, the push for free to coverage is, is marching on and as a result there are people within Fox Sports who are warning that uh, that deal could now be worth as little as three million a year. I mean, you know, we were excited when the two new teams came in because there were two new teams to watch, new fan bases. But I don't think any of us were so confident as to, you know, conceive that we could turn down that kind of money to continue to support the league. I think if everybody had known how much money was on the table at the time, they would have bitten the hand off. Yeah. With the exception being Ben Buckley. So I mean, the yeah. the thing, the the important thing though is that. Of course, the TV rights are absolutely critical to the A-League's future. Yeah. Absolutely critical. I mean, uh, you're really looking at uh, the very survival of the league in any professional kind of form. At three million a year, that's not even one, uh, two teams' uh, salary cap. No, uh, no. At the moment, what they're looking at is about 80% of the salary cap is covered by the TV rights deal for all the teams. Mm. Where do you stand on the free-to-air debate? I mean, how much is that going to improve attendances or the profile of the well, league? I mean, I mean, it's all very well the notion of free-to-air, but the, the reality is, uh, and you know, somebody uh, Fox Sports pointed out, they've got a, a deal with Super Rugby where they, they mm. hand free-to-air a, a Super Rugby highlights package. It gets shown at midnight on a Tuesday. <laughs> right. You have no control. You hand it over to free-to-air, and Channel 7 mentality can kick in yeah. where they you know, hide it away at ridiculous times of the day. You have no obligation from them that they're going to broadcast it at friendly times. I mean, even SBS, long-standing, you know, great supporter of football in this country, the world game is on at very late at night these days. Mm. Uh, unless you, you know, you tune into SBS two, even then it's still not early. It's still not peak prime time. Yeah. Uh, so if they marginalise sport, imagine what you know one of the proper networks would do to it. Mm. It's, I, 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 personally, my own feeling is a highlights package would do a lot as an advert for not only the A-League, but also for Fox Sports package. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I don't think Fox Sports are exploiting this side of things. Fox Sports are taking the, the Sky UK approach to football, but that had the English Premier League in, well, 
the English first division in establishment for 100 plus years mm. beforehand. This was a whole new product that nobody had ever seen before, hidden away on pay TV. It needed, it needs some free-to-air coverage. Yep, fair enough. Um, moving on, the FFA have obviously got a new head of communications and corporate affairs, Carl Patterson, and we've been making friends of him. We've asking him about the results from our 442 fan survey, where FFA yeah. gets, um, well, not largely criticised, but it's it's obviously at a time when things aren't going great. I mean, results from the fan survey are in the the magazine which came out yesterday. Um, one thing I would say about you know Aidan's obviously spoken to him in Melbourne. The the comments are up on the website. He does seem to at least have a decent knowledge of the situation. Did you feel that from, from his comments that you know he knew a little bit about the football background? That he was oh yeah, able I mean to... I mean there's no denying that the man steeped in football knows what he's talking about and is aware of the situation and uh, everything else. But I have to say. He says a lot without saying very much at all. Uh, he will go well in this job. Yeah, you? you know, uh, all there is is, I have to say, it's the same old stuff. Yeah, look how far we've come. Look what we've done. Everybody accepts that. We've come a long way. Mm. We've done a lot in the last six years, seven years. Yep. The problem is we're going backwards now. Yep. And that's what's not being acknowledged by the FFA. Mm. We have, we're not seeing the plan to bring us back to where we were even two years ago. Hmm. I mean, well, what's the role lying ahead of Carl Pass? I mean, what has he got to do to sort of improve the situation? Oh, I mean, he... <laughs> it's its the week of mountains, but he's got another mountain to climb. I mean, there's a lot of good faith has been lost with the fans, with the clubs, with the, uh, the staff, and with the media over the past two or three years. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> there's a huge amount that needs to be done. And, um, you know, frankly, just turning around and saying, yeah, but look how much we've done, isn't good enough. Yeah. What we want is a, a proper pathway. We want to see these are what we're policies. These are what we're going to do. These things are the things that are going to turn the game around again. Yep. I mean, the headline finding from that survey was that 81% of respondents don't feel that the FFA listen. Yeah. I mean, that's such a huge slice. I mean, that's a real standout figure that they have to sort out. And I have to say, I, I think, you know, it still stands firm with Cal, even Cal Patterson's comments. I'm not seeing... All he's doing is acknowledging that there's dissatisfaction. Yeah. Uh, without actually addressing the issues. Yeah. Just saying, this is what we've done up to now. It's not good enough. We need... What are you going to be doing in the future? Hmm. Um... Moving on, Lucas Neal, soccer is captain, has completely ruled out a move back to the A-League. I saw Lucas yesterday, actually, and I was um, you know, a full interview being in the magazine in the coming months. But one thing I was asking him about, I said, you know, if, if they'd given the Western Sydney bid to him, you know, would he be coming back? He sort of smiled and said, well, it would be far more likely. Um, and then I sort of said, you know, would you consider launching your Western Sydney bid again, considering that the FFA didn't even bother telling him? You know, they, which they didn't. They handed out the bid to someone else at Western Sydney. They couldn't even be bothered to ring the Socceroos captain and say to him, we're not going with you, we're going with someone else. And I I said to him, you know, has that affected how much you want to bid again? And he went, well, yeah. You know, basically he's not going to. He's not going to come to the table and support it with, you know, the backing he might better get. He's not going to come back and play for them. I mean, how much has, has that decision by the FFA to give the wrong licence out affected the league? I just the complete lack of respect that the FFA seems to have for other people just astonishes me. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's kind of typical of the way they behave. Uh, and you know, you don't have to do that. You don't have to go through life making enemies unnecessarily, especially people like your soccer who's captain. Yeah. Why would you do that? Yeah. I mean, it's madness to not just call him to have the great. I mean, I think it's one thing to make the wrong decision handing out the license to someone who couldn't find the backing in the end. But to not even have the courtesy to ring the soccer is captain, it, it's fairly unforgivable, really, for whoever was responsible for it at the FFA. Um, so, yeah, Lu Lucas isn't coming back. Are you surprised about that? I mean, his, his contract's up in three weeks, apparently. Back for groin. I think it's disappointing, certainly. Uh, I saw there was a quote from him the other day uh, saying that based on something he'd heard in the last couple of days... I asked him about that. Yeah, and... Uh, I think it's just the the sort of constant speculation of people assuming that he's going to come back has made him sort of come out and make this comment and say, look, no, I'm definitely not coming back. Yeah. Um, yeah. Know, I suppose it can. But well, like I said to him, it is a slight compliment that whenever he's back I and mean, he's back for this groin treatment at the moment, that 
it, there's a bit of a buzz about him being back. Is he come back to play? You know. I mean? Yeah, I mean, much as it would be a great thing for soccer in this country and football in this country, and uh, for the the kudos and uh, respect, and probably the quality of the football as well, to have him in uh, teams. I also don't think he would put bombs on seats. No. Uh, I think, you know, at the end of the day, the sad fact is it's creative players and goal scorers that uh, bring fans in. Mm. And no matter how high profile you are, how good you are, if you're a defender, you're not going to do that. I think, you know, it would have been a better sell if he'd been given the Western, you know, Sydney licence. And he was back playing captain, funder. I mean, think how much, you know, the people there who deserve a football team. Player, manager, owner. Yeah. That's what we need. (laughs) That would be incredible. Um... South Coast Stadium Boost. Um, tell us about this. Yeah, well, it's uh, the ongoing campaign uh, for South Coast to uh, get integrated into the A-League, and the first step is uh, improving the stadium down at Wollongong. Uh, Wind Stadium's had a bit of an upgrade, and new 3,500 seat stand will open in June, uh, which means it's now got three stands uh, and a hill, so... Three quarters of the way there. Love a hill. Love a hill at sporting Hills event. are just the best. <laughs> Beers on the hill. Can't beat it. Uh, so they're hoping to try and lure Sydney down to, to play a game or two down there, uh, which would be good. First step to possibly getting the South Coast team. But in the and current state of play, I don't think they're actually going to get the team for the next five years at the minimum. I mean, do they deserve one? Do you think the market's there? Um, let's get West Sydney in first and then take it from there. Mm. Yeah. Um, final little piece of news I want to mention is Serbia being confirmed for the Socceroos um, friendly on June the 7th in Melbourne um, as we expected what sort of challenge are they going to provide I think it'll be good fun you know Serbia especially uh, there's a lot of good Serbian support down in Melbourne which mm-hmm. should make some for some uh, interesting atmosphere uh, I think we should have a flare count drinking game yep <laughs> take a drink every time we see a flare go off uh, no it should be fun should be a good game uh, I'm not quite sure how much of a long-standing rivalry there is between the two teams. We played in the World Cup. That's pretty much been it, I think. That's quite a lot for us. Um, okay, that's everything for Section 2. Back in Section 3, we'll have a chat about the Aussies overseas, how they're going, and then La Liga, Serie A, and Bundesliga. The new issue of 442 is on sale now, where we go behind the scenes of EPL Giants Liverpool. We interview new owner John W. Henry, plus returning coach Kenny Dalgleish on their master plans to bring the title back to Anfield. We have the first major interviews with Liverpool's new strike force of Andy Carroll and Luis Suarez, plus a profile on how captain Steven Gerrard might reinvent himself as a centre-back while Jamie Carragher chats Australia, including if he'd consider joining the A-League. Elsewhere, we're in Utrecht with housemates Tommy Orr, Michael Zullo and Adam Sar- We look at match-fixing in Asia, and if it could come to Australia. Plus, our 2011 Reader's Census reveals what you really think of the A-League, FFA, and Ben Buckley. Back to 442 Insider. Hello, and welcome back to part three of the 442 Insider podcast. Um, Kev, let's kick off with how the Aussies overseas are doing with our comprehensive roundup. Um, the headline acts, Cahill made his first start for Everton since returning from foot injury, um, but was replaced on 66 minutes as Everton drew 1-0 with struggling Wigan. Um, Emerton put in a full shift as Blackburn beat Bolton 1-0, and Schwarzer kept a clean sheet as uh, Fulham claimed a rare away win 3-0 at Sunderland. It says uh, more about Sunderland than Fulham, to be honest, unfortunately. Yeah, Sunderland. Love a free-fall, don't they? Oh. End of end of season free-fall. No um, safety net. One thing we didn't go on to um, in the news section, but it's an Aussie overseas that's coming back into form, is Reese Williams. Now, as you were mentioning on, on Twitter last night, um, there's been a bit of in- interest from a bigger club. Yeah, um, the hot tip from the UK is that Reese Williams is going to be uh, heading to Bolton over the summer, uh, the Northern Hemisphere summer, in a $3 million, $5 million move uh, to uh, the Premiership, uh, which is you know long overdue. I think you know he's 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 a good young talent. If he can keep injury free, um, it'd be great to have another Aussie in the, the Premier League next season. I mean, is that a bit of a surprise? To see him being linked with a, a premiership team, an apprenticeship team that's going well. I don't think so, to be honest. I, I, I really, really rate Reese. He's, he's a good, big, strong lad, as they say, um, and he fits into the, the Bolton side pretty well, I would think. Uh, he's done well at Middlesbrough when he's been fit. Uh, he's coming back from his l- a long layoff, but 
I reckon it'll be it'll be a good buy for them if you can get some decent uh, game time. Sure. Um, Alex Brosk, who um, we spoke to for the website this weekend, um, still settling in over in Japan. I mean, how, how's he going? Is he going as well as we hoped? What does uh, that say about the A-League, about how he's going as well? He's not really. I mean, it's been a hell of a way to start your, your career with Earthquake in Japan, yeah, with Earthquakes right, yeah. and Nannies. Um, he's picked up an injury again as well, uh, so he's struggling on at the moment. I don't think he's firing on full all cylinders at the moment, but uh, he says he's happy at least there, which, you know, that's, that's the first step. If we can keep him happy, then uh, the game and form will hopefully follow. But certainly I think probably he would be disappointed in his form up to now. Uh, I think the club would probably be looking for more from him, but it's early days yet. It's still early in their season, especially with the delayed start after the, the natural disasters there. OK, I mean, I suppose one name that sort of stuck out from this rap was uh, Spranovic putting in a full shift at URA Reds. Um, we've been talking about him for, for what feels like quite an extended period now, about when he's really going to break into the Socceroos. Um, how important is it that he's playing, and, and when can we expect to see him play more regularly for the Socceroos? Well, I think, you know, there's a whole generation there. The Oli Roos of uh, 2008 still haven't quite come on en masse, uh, yeah. as I think everybody would probably hope they would. And I think to a certain extent, there's a bit of uh, hope being given up on many of them uh, ever actually cracking the Socceroos in the way that we'd first originally hoped. Uh, Spranovic, however, is still one of the bright shining lights, uh, but he needs to get more game time. And unfortunately, the Rowarets are having a shocker of a season, as I understand it. Uh, so possibly not the best environment for him to shine. Uh, but uh, game time is probably even more important than results at the moment. Mm. Um Moving around Europe to review how those leagues are going, Spanish La Liga, where, um, where something interesting actually happened. Both Barcelona and Real Madrid losing um, for the first time since late August 2008. I mean, I don't think it's going to make a lot of difference to the final title, but I mean, it's interesting to see them both lose on the same day. I'm going to repeat one of the most repeated tweets of the Monday. Oh, yes, Monday. Please, please do. All four. Bin Laden teams. dead. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't one of mine for a change. That was my scoop. Uh, no, all four teams that played in the Champions League semi-finals lost the games. Oh, bottle jobs. Not got the experience. Yeah, that's it. That's um, it. So I mean, look, the nothing league's... to be read into. It, I think to no. be honest, that's the that's the bottom line. Tired teams, second string sides. Schalke have not been going well anyway, have they? No, <laughs> in no. the German league. Um, look, you know. But Barcelona are, are, are cantering to victory there. I mean, despite the points I can see displayed on the table I've got printed out, I don't think that's right. They are eight points in front. Yeah, I was going to say I that. Believe. Right, it? Barcelona, 99 points. I'm pretty sure that's not correct. Um, but anyway, yeah, hmm. I, I think that they're a, a win shy of securing an inevitable title. Um, Mourinho said a lot when he went there about his team's being a second-season team and you won't get as much from the first season. Um, I, I think it's less of a case at Real Madrid based on what sort of team you inherit and then, you know, the players he's been able to go out and sign. I mean, how do you review Mourinho's first season now considering it's it's basically over? I think it's interesting. Um, I don't think he's going to stay there by the looks of things. He'd... That's a shame though, isn't it? I mean, you think... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do actually think Mourinho and Real Madrid are possibly one of the best fits in football. Lots of self-assuredness. <laughs> exactly. Uh, there's a lot of uh, bravado and braggadry going on there. Um, but there's a lot of talk also that he's he's really hurt his um, his own value by some of his petulance over the past week or so, uh, in that uh, he brings a lot of aggro, he brings a lot of uh, unnecessary uh, scrutiny, and the the whole petted lip thing hasn't gone down with many people well with many people uh, and in particular with Manchester United uh, where you know he's also tipped to uh, end up one day mm, I mean he's made no secret of the fact he'd like to return to the Premier League Manu seems an obvious fit um, but like you say I mean has he jeopardised his, his chance again and also when is Fergie going to stop if ever well, that's right. I, I mean, I saw somebody else speculating that uh, Guardiola might be uh, an equally good fit for Man United, uh, which, you know, I think it probably would be, uh, to mm. a certain extent. Uh, I'm sure every team would love Guardiola. Um, and they were talking about in uh, a year or so, uh, him coming over. 
But uh, Ferguson's going to be such a hard act to follow. Would, who would want to do that job? It, yeah. You would, you would probably want somebody to be uh, the rebound manager, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it is almost an impossible task. And sometimes you get when managers come in that they want to sort of stamp their own authority, change, you know, loads of the players. But also it's the end of that gig skulls generation. Isn't it, well, almost? I mean... I was going to say there, you know, if there was a good time to be coming in as a new manager, it would probably be much, pretty much now. Uh, there is a natural progression about to happen with Man United in a, a period of consolidation, I think, too. Mm. Um, I w- wouldn't want to be the next manager of Manchester United, apart no. from the money. I'd like the money. <laughs> it would be a surprise appointment, though, I'll be honest. <laughs> you made I mean, Especially if... <laughs> given I'm sitting here with an Arsenal top on. <laughs> You an Arsenal, are you an Arsenal fan? No, the, the red matches my eyes. Oh, lovely. Um, one thing I was thinking about, Fergie, the other day, I mean, if he does or if he doesn't go on to win the Champions League this season, I mean, where do you rank him? Best ever? Fergie. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, Regardless of what happens in uh, Wembley in the end of the month? I think given what he's achieved over his 25 years, yeah, I think you, have to, you have to say he's the best ever. Compared to what maybe some managers have achieved over the last five years, yeah, okay, not the best compared to them, but over the, his career, without a doubt, the best ever. Mm. But could he get West Ham out of the Championship next season? <sighs> He's going to have to find out, isn't he, if he goes there? Yeah. Um, just a quick look at the other European leagues. Italian Serie A. Um, Milan are now within a win of um, securing the title after a 1-0 win over Bologna. Um find themselves eight points clear of rivals Inter. And one thing I, I was reading this morning is, is talk that Milan could be coming to Sydney. Yeah, May the 28th, allegedly playing Sydney in a friendly. But we need them to get knocked out of the cup, is that right? Uh, apparently so, yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah. Be, I mean, be a great match. Um, what I found particularly interesting was that that story appeared in the Daily Telegraph this morning when... Uh, the uh, Sydney are in Korea, and the Sydney Morning Herald said Bassett Hassett is actually out with them in Korea. Right, okay. I missed that story. Which I think there may be some politics going on there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, a quick mention for Lazio lost 1-0 at home to Juve, but we have seen Bresciano emerge there. Yeah, he's finally him. starting to get a bit more game time, I think. Uh not quite still making the impact that probably would hope. Um, he's a bit of a forgotten man of not only Italian football, but uh, Australian football as well. Yeah, I mean, I think the the impression I got that he wasn't playing as many Ruse games because he was concentrating on getting his club form back on track. And, and now it kind of is. You, you know, do you want to see him come in? I mean, would he take over Holman's role? Well, that's, 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 the pr- Holman? that's the problem we've got now. Who does he who Who does he replace? Who do you kick out the side for? To be honest, um, I think it's time to move on. Uh, mm. And I think, you know, we've got replacements there. We need the new generation getting blooded and brought forward and brought in gently. Yeah. Uh, and I think Bresciano, great player, great servant of the country, but I think it might be time to move on. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the thing for him, if he's not going to be a regular starter, is it worth the hassle? And if he's not going to play in Brazil, again, is it worth being part exactly. of the Why yeah. not concentrate yeah. on just your, your club football? Yeah. Um, Final league to look at, the Bundesliga, which apparently is the league they play in Germany. Borussia Dortmund have won that. Um, Leverkusen second, Munich down in third. Um, Hanover, they've got four Champions League spots this season, isn't that right in saying? Haven't Italy lost their... Have they? I, I think so, that. yeah. I think Germany have, have now earned the extra spot because everyone realised how rubbish Serie A was. Um, so I think Hanover would. <laughs> Hanover is um, making friends, influencing opponents <laughs> in Europe. Do, do not follow um, <laughs> my guide on that. Okay then, so that's a one final mention for for San Paoli, rock bottom. Possibly. Good old oh, no, I mean, whenever you hear a mad football story in Europe, it's probably from Germany, and it's probably from them. I mean, yeah. The bit in the mag when they they have a train that goes around, don't they, with hot dogs and beer on it? Yeah. And they've just got it. They just get it right, don't they? Yeah. You can get a little um, keg underneath your seat as well, so you can just fill up your own, oh, your own beer. See, so that, you don't even need genius. To, that yeah. is genius. That's what we need. Sydney Football Stadium, are you listening? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the best things about watching football. Isn't it? I mean, when I first moved over to Australia and I could get a beer in my seat, I, I thought my head was going to explode. I was so happy. I've never actually experienced that. 
the booze ban came in in Scotland before I left the country. Um, right. Before I was old enough to go to football by yeah. myself. I'd never been able to drink and watch football at the same time. Yeah. It's just like, it just life doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. Happy days. Okay, well that's everything for section three. Section four, we're going to concentrate on the Premier League, a bit of a review and preview on that. We all have goals, but sometimes we need a little help along the way. The best advice and assistance on your journey can make an enormous difference. Tiger Management and PR represents up-and-coming and established TV and radio presenters, performers and sports people. So if you're wondering how you'll rise to the next level, engage the services of Tiger Management and PR and you'll no longer be alone. Call 1-300-784-212 to find out more or visit tigermanagement.com.au. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Welcome back to the final section of the 442 Insider podcast, Premier League time. Um, let's have a little look at the results from last week and where should we start? Um, we'll ignore West Ham for the minute and talk about Chelsea Tottenham. Um, Sandra gave Tottenham the lead there and then it got all very controversial. Lampard, ironically enough, <laughs> being the player who um, all you need to do is sort of tiggle the ball towards Gomez in the Tottenham goal and there's a good chance it might go in, slipped through his hands <laughs> and then was it or was it not over the line? I have to say I didn't think it was over the line. I don't think it was either. <laughs> uh, and, you know, full credit, the, uh, it wasn't given. Uh, I definitely... It, was very, very close, but not quite. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the, that got the scores level, and then Kalou scored of a minute to go to keep Chelsea well and truly in the hunt. Tottenham fans obviously complaining that the second goal was offside as well. Same lino for both decisions. Popular. Yeah. Uh, uh, interesting day there. I mean, Man U, who now find themselves just three points away from Chelsea after they lost away at Arsenal. I mean, I think Chelsea were 18 points adrift at Man U at one point, so it's a pretty incredible turnaround. Seven. Ever since they signed Torres. so Yeah, it's bizarre, isn't it? I mean, he's a huge flop, yet they've turned the season around. Mm. Uh, second half of the season has just been fantastic. They had a huge slump over Christmas, but uh, they've just really bounced back since about February. Let's talk about that Man U result, though. Ramsey's 56th minute goal for Arsenal given Arsenal a little glimpse of why they should still really be in the shake-up for the title if they could only beat teams that they really should be beating. Um, and they just made that Man U-Chelsea game massive next week. I mean, you're wearing an Arsenal top. How do you review the season for the Gunners? You know, despite what everyone says, it's been a pretty good season yeah. for Arsenal, I think. You know, um, The third, they're six points off the lead. Um, they're you know, pretty clear thirds as well. Uh, so it's not a disaster. It's not ideal by any manner of means. No. Uh, you know, everybody that uh, is from North London, that part of North London, would want to see them on top. But I don't think there'll be too many Arsenal fans slitting the wrists over the no. way things have gone. Uh, and you know, the, the calls for Wenger's head are a bit premature. I think. Well, I think so too. But I've got a bit of a Wenger crush. I just think the way you know he brings players through and the, the football that they play is amazing but what I was sort of thinking about the other day how long can they keep going not winning anything you know say let's put another five years on it it's been a decade since they won it regardless of how they play there's got to be a point where you go right okay we need to win something now yeah but I mean at the end of the day you know Arsenal's team was put together for the less than the cost of Torres yeah uh, and look how competitive they are how long is that situation going to continue that's I think the key issue uh, I mean, it's all it is great the way Wenger's you know brought players through, developed. Um, but a lot of those were acquired when they were already skillful, just acquired young, 17, 18. They've been brought into the side. Uh, all he's done is had faith in them and bring them through. The question now is, will they? The stadium is no longer the issue in terms of budget, etc. Mm. Hopefully now they should have cash where they can start bringing through just those one or two key players. Uh, Goalkeeper to, and a centre-back. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, and a, a, a second striker, I think. Mm. Um, but, you know, and hold on to Fabregas. But again, you know, the Manchester United result was on the basis of uh, Fabregas missing. Yeah, yeah. Um Elsewhere, Birmingham 1 or Wolves 1. Um, Liverpool 3. Newcastle 0. Liverpool moving into 5th place. 
Um, Tottenham got a game in hand behind them, but I mean, how's that happened? Dukai. Uh, oh, Dukai, really? Yeah, he's the turnaround in his form recently in the last uh, couple of months has been spectacular. He's really uh, stepped up to the plate. Um, I personally think he's a large part of the, the revival of Liverpool. Liverpool have been fantastic. I mean, uh, somebody made the point that when Doug Leach took over, they were 19 points off the lead. Uh, Doug Leach now, with Doug Leach now, they are 18 points off the lead. Mm. Uh, but there's a lot more points they could have lost in the meantime. Well, yeah, I mean, quite as well, that shows championship form, doesn't it? <coughs> yeah. If they've you know, managed to maintain pace there. Um, yep. fair, uh, fairly incredible turnaround. Um, Man City, West Ham, don't know what the score was there. Blackburn won, Bolton nil. Um, oh, Glamour tight, Blackpool nil, Stoke nil. Um, Sunderland nil, Fulham three. Fulham are woeful on the road. Um, bit of a surprise result, except the fact that Sunderland, they love nothing more than to go into free fall this time of season. West Brom, two, Villa one. And uh, finally, Wigan won. Everton won. Um, Everton, another team that find themselves up in seventh for, for do what they how, often do. How have Everton done this? I genuinely don't understand how Everton are there. Who's scoring the goals? Why? Are they, how do they manage to do so well? They have no strike force. Mm. They're worse than the Socceroos. They're, <laughs> they're a bit France 98 without Zidane. Yeah. No, no, no strikers. And, you know, they've not even had Cahill for most of the, uh, the last half of the season. Mm. I mean, it, most seasons they start like this. They, they look like it's a relegation scout. Then they hit they Champions League form. They just climb up the table without anybody really noticing. Yeah. Astonishing. So that leaves the table. Manu at the top with 73 points. Three points clear of Chelsea back on 70. Arsenal another three points back. 67. Man City on 62 points off. They did beat West Ham 2-1. Um, they look all but secured of fourth. Is fourth a good result for spending a lot? No. <laughs> Not by any uh, manner of means. You know... Um, did you tip them to win it? Was that Jacko that... No, it wasn't. I don't think it was me. I think I said Chelsea. I think, it, yeah, I think it was Jacko that, that said they could win it. Um, again, I suppose it's a situation, how long will it go on? I think it's you could say that making the Champions League is, is fine for this season, perhaps, or at least. Um, but they've got to crack the top two, haven't they, next season with the, with the amount they're spending? Well, I, I just I don't quite know where they go from here. That's the thing. Do they stick with Mancini, Mancini uh, and give him a second season, another season to uh, bed in the players that he's brought in? Or do they bring in a new manager and he brings in more new players and they exactly. spend even more? I honestly don't know where they go with that. And... I'd be tempted to just wash my hands and walk away from it if I were the boss. Mm-hmm. Um, Liverpool, as we said, are, are in fifth on 55. Same amount of points as Tottenham, and they found themselves in sixth. Um, but they do have a game in hand over Liverpool. Um, down the bottom, mighty West Ham, a rock bottom, 32 points. Bye. Um, yeah, very much. But I, I did the bit. Do you ever do the BBC score predictor? Find out where you know you put in no, the final scores. No, I mean, but I've heard of it. It's nonsense. It, it never works out. But I did do it, and I thought I was quite harsh. And I had West Ham staying up on goal difference. Well, I've heard other people saying that they really think West Ham will still stay up, and I, I just find that frankly well, hard to believe. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do find it hard to believe as well. The only thing I would say is that you know we're three points from safety, but it's our final three games. We've got home to Blackburn and Sunderland, and away to Wigan. Yeah. So. But just it all depends on this weekend. We've got Blackburn, and um, Wolves just above us, two points further ahead of us on 34. Wigan on 35, and then Blackpool on the same map points as Wigan, um, and then Blackburn on 38. You'd have to say it's probably three of those bottom five. Birmingham safe on 39. Who do you think's going, Kev? Hopefully, uh, I would like to see WWW go down. Hopefully, yeah. Because I really don't want to see Blackpool go down. Uh, I think Blackpool have done really well this season. I think Ian Holloway is an absolute star. Uh, he is, yeah. And they've had a end of season slump, largely caused by lack of funds and uh, shallow depth of squad. Yep. To a certain extent, uh, I, tired I, players and too much focus on Charlie Adam uh, and his day form. I think. Yeah. Um, I think if they were to be able to stay up for another season, spend some cash with the money, that, hey, spend some of the cash they're going to get by staying up, I think uh, they'd be good contenders uh, for a mid-table placing next season. Mm, I mean, 
I think the problem for Blackpool is just saying about you know West Ham's slightly easier running. Blackpool's next game is away to Tottenham. Um, they then host Bolton and then they go away to Man U on the last game of the season. Uh, it's not easy at all. Uh, I mean, I can easily see them go down, but I would hope not. No, I, and I, you I know, I, I, I think Wigan, Wolves, and West Ham are worse teams. That's the bottom line, you know. Well, yeah, probably. Oh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, the most I've seen from Blackpool is when we've played them this season, and I thought they were awful at their their place when we beat them. Um, but look, the league the league doesn't lie, as the, as the cliche goes. Um, let's look at the fixtures though for this weekend. Um, Villa, Wigan. So, you know, v- Villa are kind of safe now and actually not a bad chance of a top half finish Wigan you know desperate for the points Bolton Sunderland Everton Man City that's not an easy game for Man City is it no but it should be yeah (laughs) to a certain extent I mean Everton's side as they have at the moment shouldn't be causing opposition uh, sides to quake in the boots yeah Uh, I don't like I say I don't understand Everton's success I all power to them for doing as well as they have. I think the coach has a lot to do with it. I think he obviously does. Um, But, you know, pretty much Leighton Baines is their their key man. Uh, And building a side around your left-back, jeez. Yeah. Um, Newcastle, Birmingham, then the big one, West Ham, Blackburn. Um, One thing I would say about Blackburn is obviously, I think we all felt it was pretty harsh when Big Sam went. Yeah. And they were sort of looking okay mid-table. There is a part of me that would like to see them go down, A, because of that, and B, because it might give West Ham a chance of staying up. Um, and that, I mean, their win last week got them up to 38, so they're within touching distance. But if they lose to West Ham in that one, they, they're right back in the thick of it. So that is a huge game. Um, the later kickoff is Tottenham-Blackpool, um, which is going to be very, very tough for Blackpool, but Tottenham have got a tendency to um, to throw up strangers. I think Blackpool beat them earlier in the season, didn't they? Um, not sure. Yeah, well let's, done. let's say they did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wolves, West Brom, um, Stoke, Arsenal, and then the huge one. Bigger than Jungle, and Jungle is massive. <laughs> Manchester United versus Chelsea. Um, I mean, it doesn't get more interesting than this. There's three games going, exactly the same goal difference. Manu are only three points ahead, so if, if Chelsea can win that one, um, which you know is doable, then then they'll go top with two games remaining. What do we think is going to happen? It's so going to end nil nil, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Man- Manu's home form this season has been incredible, and it? it's been the reason that they're winning the title. I mean, away from home, they've been relatively ordinary, but they've just. I mean, that's what Fergie often does. You talk about you know Man City beating teams they should be and Arsenal beating teams they should. What how Man you often win their titles is they just simply beat the teams that they should. Oh, absolutely, they win yeah, the home they games, just do the job. Yeah. yeah, and that's what the league. I mean, you, you know, you've got to play thirty-eight games, and you know, we've seen Man U's and Man U in previous seasons get not the best results against the teams around them, but you've got other opportunities against the weaker sides, and they, they're just able to put them away. I mean, obviously, I saw the West Ham game against Man U recently, a two down at half time. They come out and scored four, and they, you know, they did what they had to do to beat a team that they really should be beating. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting last weekend. Somebody uh, tweeted uh, Alec Ferguson's very first program uh, commentary is uh, for Manchester United when he first joined Manchester United. He did a, a first-person okay. piece, uh, and it was, you know, really interesting to read what he was saying, you know, 25 years ago. But the key thing that stood out for me was, "I am a bad loser." Yeah. Nobody is a worse loser than me. Yeah. And I think that was true then, and it's even more true today. And I really, really think that's the key to his success. Mm. Yeah, I, I know Piers Morgan wrote a really good piece on Fergie once. He, he's obviously a, a massive Arsenal fan. And he was sort of making the point of, you know, I think it was called Why I Hate Fergie, in that sort of way that Piers Morgan likes to keep himself to himself. And he sort of <laughs> went through all the reasons why he you know, hates Fergie. And then he got to the end and he goes, but to be honest with you, the real reason I hate him is because he's a winner. Yeah, and it's true, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, you I mean, know? he has that mentality into all his players as well. It's one of the issues I have with uh, Sydney FC and Vitislav. He's a nice guy. He's yeah. a good loser. He, mm. you know, takes on the chin. He uh, pays credit to the opposition when they get past him. Uh, I hate that. <laughs> yeah, I really hate that. I want to see a guy spitting chips 
for all because he was uh, a pain in the arse in many ways, when he lost, he really lost and took it to heart. And, you know, you didn't want to go into the press conference and yeah. say the wrong thing to him. Um, and I think, you know, Fergie's got that bad loser mentality. And it's set, what sets him apart from so many other of the, mm. the, uh, the managers, especially in the Premier League. Mm. And I think Carlo Ancelotti's, again, you know, of the nice guy mentality. Mm. He's, he's a very thoughtful guy. Um, and he empathises, he can see strengths, he can see weaknesses, and he balances things out. Uh, he's just not quite as single-minded. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, um, Fergie will always take a draw over a loss, uh, mm. and those are the key results that make all the difference sure. to him. And, but more importantly, he'll always go for the win. A couple of midweekers, just to finish <coughs> up on Fulham, are hosting Liverpool, and then Man City-Tottenham. So I suppose, you know, to make that Champions League spot more interesting, it, it might be good to see Tottenham turn over Blackpool and then City perhaps struggle at Everton. Um, and, and this is the place where Tottenham sealed the Champions League spot last season. Crouch got the only goal of the game. Um, I mean, how do you see that going? Who do you see getting fourth? I don't know. It's an interesting one. I mean, I think a City will get fourth. Uh, mm. I think it's, it's fifth is the, the interesting one for me who's going to at the final European slot um, Liverpool probably feel that they've got the God-given right to it but uh, I think Spurs have earned it yeah sure hey while we're on Liverpool let's talk about the new issue which came out yesterday what a segue I know fucking good at this it is a Liverpool special we've got um, interviews with uh, Carroll and Suarez and Carragher talking about Australia and the A-League and stuff like that and then we've we've speak to Dog Leash and John Henry about their plans to make the club again and the uh, the Aussies in Holland as well the flatmates Sorota Orr and Zulo um, one thing I was surprised about that is Sorota who was kind of the one that we were least familiar with is probably getting the most game time over there yeah he seems to be doing really well over there uh, just going back to the Liverpool thing can I just point yes. out I interviewed Kenny Dalglish once oh yeah at, must uh, be a bit of a hero for you he's a huge hero that, I was talking off air before about 1974 strip that, yeah number 7 on my shorts I was, yeah. was Dalglish um, but yeah I interviewed him once at Stephen Hendry's wedding and the interview the entire interview began and ended with I right yeah he doesn't say a lot Kenny Dalglish no 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 Do you, I mean We've been talking about good managers, and we talk about um, you know Moyes at Everton, and then um, you know obviously Fergie, and then Dale Gleish. I mean they're all Scottish. I mean I, I was talking to our photographer at Four Foot Two, Scottish, and I said, well, you know, why do Scottish managers do such a good job? Um, his rationale was that they're tight, as in they're very good with money. So you know, chairmen like them because they can do a job without going, give me this money, give me that money. We're Is that at, a stereotype, though? No, I, think, I genuinely think we're pretty good at managing budgets um, and working within budgets. But also, it goes back to the other thing. One, we're very bad losers. Yep. Two, we're very passionate, fiery, and emotional. Yep. Uh, and if you combine the bad loser thing and the, the emotional, you don't want to be in the wrong side of us when you lose. Uh, so, you know... Uh, the team will rally behind. And also, you know, we do the whole freedom speech and Braveheart and paint faces blue. <laughs> it's all of those things you think yeah, it is. It's, it works. Yeah. Um, yeah, so new issue out. It's got the reader's survey results in there as well that's, that's getting a little bit of interest. So rush out and buy that. Um, Kevin, thanks for coming in, mate. No bother. Um, and we will be back with Jacko next week. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.